Hello, everyone, and welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help autistic teens and adults become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Not too long ago, I read an article about how social media accounts currently and possibly in the future will be used to deny people disability benefits. I was naive to this issue before reading the article and wanted to bring on the author of the article and previous guest on Autism Stories, Andrew November, back to the podcast to talk more about this. On today's episode, we will discuss how not only social security benefits, but also long-term disability benefits may be affected by your social media accounts and what can be done to help prevent this from happening. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Andrew, uh, thanks for returning to the Autism Stories podcast. Glad to be back. I was the uh, first podcast yeah. uh, uh, interviewee, and yeah. now I get to uh, be here again, so I must be a really great interview. You are. And I wanted to bring you back today to talk about social security and social media. Absolutely. It's amazing how much... Uh, traction this article has gotten. I've written so many articles over the years, but this one has really captured everyone's attention, and I think it's because mostly every person uh, is on some form of social media, so everyone can identify with it. Right. Earlier this year, the New York Times came out with an article that talked about Social Security where they say, said that they would study whether to expand the use of social media networks in disability determinations, partly to help identity fraud. Uh, there have been some cases of identity fraud relating to Social Security disability benefits, but how big of a problem do you think this really is? It, it, it's really not um, a big problem. There, there's two ways to look at it. That's um, fraud. Um, through the entire system, and uh, fraud, of course there's fraud in any type of system, any type of benefit program, but the, the numbers show that it, it's not a real issue. What I think they wanted to use social media for was to try to gain insight into someone's activities of daily living and whether they could use social media to determine how they could function in a workplace. That's that was the real intention. It wasn't so much more about identity fraud. It was more about just straight-up disability fraud. Mm -hmm. Now, recently you wrote an article about this topic on the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association's website for those that want to re read the article. How concerned should people be at this point that Social Security may be looking at their Facebook or Twitter account? I think people should be concerned. I mean, the government does move slowly, and as far as I know, they're not currently looking at social media, but it's certainly an idea that's been tossed around, and it could happen. Um, everyone uh, is exposed who has social media, and just because it's not cited in a decision to deny benefits doesn't mean that someone didn't look. It just takes a quick Google on the phone, someone's first and last name to identify uh, that person's social media account. So I uh, could never prove it, but I do believe that there are probably people uh, out there looking at social media and forming a decision based on what they see. Now, when I've done searches on, on Facebook in the search bar, you could type in someone's name, but there could be five or six different people with that same name. So how does Social Security determine 
who exactly is the correct person. That is uh, definitely um, a big issue. There's many issues that I'm sure we're going to talk about um, in the coming questions, but I did see that in one of my uh, disability insurance cases where they uh, had a good idea of what my client looked like, but they actually had found her twin. And even though the twin had a, a different name, they appeared together and just uh, through sloppy investigation, they found several pictures of the twin. And we had to go to our client and say, who is this? Who is this? Because if the photos weren't properly tagged, you know, sometimes people, when they, don't, when, they, when they tag a photo on Facebook, they might not click the actual face. They might just click somewhere in the picture in order to uh, register the tag. And for this individual, it was not clear. Are we looking at our client or are we looking at her twin? So for many reasons, social media isn't a fair representation of a person's life. Why may information that someone posts on social media may not be a true representation of their ability to work? There, there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think the number one reason, and this is something that we all have to admit to ourselves, and I, I uh, fell on my sword writing the hearing, uh, writing the uh, article uh, for the Bar Journal, and said that we post our best selves on social media. I think we can all admit that social media is genuine, generally not an accurate portrayal of one's life. We post ourselves doing fun activities. Uh, doing fun things. We don't post our uh, most uh, intimate problems, our, our financial worries, our health worries, our relationship worries. People don't post that on Facebook. Some people do, but the vast majority want to make their life look as um, a as fun as possible. And oftentimes, and this was cited in my article by an NPR um, article that we cited, that you know it can be cathartic for people with uh, depression to... Uh, create this image of a life that they want and that does not accurately portray uh, what their life is really like. So you have an issue of just the first thing is is that people don't post things that are reflective. Another big issue is uh, context, relevancy, as well as, as the timeline. A photo posted today might not have been taken today. Now, many times photos will, like you said, will be posted on social media that have been, could have been taken a week, a month, a year ago, or maybe even longer. How does Social Security know that if I post a picture on September 8th that is actually from that day and not from years ago when using this to determine disability benefits? I can look at my own personal life and um, immediately spot two issues. Um, one, my wife is a, a very big fan of something called TimeHop. And I think it's an app that she has um, installed on her Facebook account where it brings up memories. So, you know, today is uh, September 9th. And it might show her what she was doing September 9th, going back 15 years, as long as she'd been on Facebook. Now, you have to be a real social media sleuth if you're going to review her wall or my wall to say, is this a time hop uh, photo that's being reshared? Another issue is someone might just post a photo. Someone might be looking through their old pictures on their phone and be like, oh, this was uh, when I was on the beach five years ago. It's, it's a great picture of me. Why don't I just make that my new default picture? And there might be no indication because it wasn't shared using time hop. It was just uploaded. So there's no way to, to really tell when those pictures were taken. 
So it seems that Social Security is just looking at social media as an additional tool to deny benefits rather than to understand each applicant's potential need for disability benefits. Is this accurate, an accurate statement on my part of what you feel like they're trying to do? 100% that's an accurate statement. I believe that social media is using it to deny cases. Uh, one of my biggest fears is that they might see someone, uh, I'm doing air quotes right now, uh, working. And if you see someone in a picture and it looks like they're at an employer, that picture doesn't say anything. What if they were not working? What if they were volunteering? What if they're there in a therapeutic work program? What if they're there in a work program uh, that was sponsored by the state? What if they're there for only a couple hours? I mean, there's so many reasons why a picture of someone working, they might not actually be working. They might not be paid for what it looks like is actual work. Absolutely. There, there's just, there, there's no context with Facebook posts. Right, and they would have no idea in terms of if someone could keep up what they're doing in that uh picture or video over a, a week's, you know, 40-hour week uh, or keep or be able to maintain employment. Sure. An individual can be found disabled if they can show that they're unable to work eight hours a day, five days a week. That's your typical 40-hour a week. So an individual might be able to work a couple hours a day, maybe even five days a week, and that picture on social media might capture that. However, that picture does not give evidence that the individual is working eight hours a day, five days a week, and it could be used to instigate an unnecessary investigation into a case, which to me, if that's going to be the basis to spur an investigation, is going to just waste taxpayer dollars to do inv investigations over something that we know doesn't provide accurate uh, uh, context of, of someone's work activity. A picture, it seems, can le leads to a lot of assumptions. Absolutely. Mm. Picture, they, they absolutely do. They, they, they're a quick capture of a moment. It anybody can smile with their spouse, and it can look like the best life—a nice suit, nice dress, some great lighting. That doesn't talk about what happened in the other 24 hours of the day. That picture is a split second, and it's someone that's posing. That's the key word: posing to make themselves look like they want to be perceived by their social network. Now. When Social Security proposed that they would start to look at social media in determining disability benefits, it has brought much attention to this issue. However, insurance companies for years now have been looking at social media accounts for, for long-term disability beneficiaries. Can you start by giving us a definition of what long-term disability is and tell our listeners approximately how many United States employers offer this type of insurance. Sure. Uh, long-term disability um, is very prevalent. Most people don't even know they have it until they get denied on a claim for it. So, so what it is is it's uh, disability payments. Um, sometimes it's called income replacement that's oftentimes provided by employers. So when individuals go to work, they may be offered short-term disability, which will typically cover uh, disability payments for up to six months, and then they can get what's called long-term disability, which typically provides payments um, up until a full retirement age. Now, it's completely up to the discretion of the employer whether to offer it. It's typically part of someone's compensation package. 
Um, it's administered uh, in a couple different ways. Sometimes it's straight, straight up provided by insurance companies. Um, a, an employer will contract with an insurance company and the employer or the employee or both of them together may provide uh, pay insurance premiums and therefore the employees are insured uh, against a disability. Uh, sometimes employers are so large that they're self-insured and they might just hire uh, what we call claims administrators to make those decisions. Now, I was so excited about that New York Times article and finding out that um, our own senator here in Ohio, Sherrod Brown, picked up on it because this is not a new issue. Any attorney uh, or any person that's receiving disability benefits through uh, a long-term disability case is probably aware of this. This is, this is a, a dark secret that's been happening in the long-term disability field for a long time, and it's it's great, but it's also a shame that it took uh, uh, in the Social Security um, uh, attempt to do this, to bring it to light, because this is something we've been dealing with for years. Are insurance companies just having their claims adjusters look at social media to determine if someone should initially receive long-term disability, or does this surveillance go beyond that? I've seen it both. Typically when people come into my office, they've already been denied. And what I do is I get what's called their claim file. The claim file is basically all the information that the insurance company or the claims administrator relied on to make the disability denial. So when I get that, I see these uh, surveillance investigations. However, um, I did recently uh, get a claim file for a young man, and I noticed in this particular file they used it as part of the initial determination. They didn't find anything, but I did notice that before they had even made a decision of whether to approve or deny, they had, they had um, used social media investigation. Typically when I see it, though, someone's been on benefits for a while, and the insurance company has decided that they want to review the claim, as part of the review process, along with getting updated statements from the, um, the individual, getting updated medical records, they'll just automatically order a social media investigation. So what exactly is a social media investigation? I've seen it a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes uh, they will pay for these services. I've been Googling them every time I see them. There, there's a lot of companies out there that'll just, you provide the, the name of the individual, you pay the company a fee, and they'll, they'll start doing a review. Other times the insurance companies will do it themselves. Typically what they look at are the, the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I haven't seen anything with Snapchat or Instagram or maybe social media um, apps that I'm not even familiar with. I almost always see it with Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And what they'll do is they go through and they um, take screenshots of every single page. They'll, as much as they can get, they'll screenshot, screenshot, and they'll try to use that as evidence of someone's uh, fraud you know, again, air quotes around the word fraud or evidence of a higher functional capacity than is being alleged by the uh, individual uh, that's insured for disability benefits. So what about like with Instagram, because they're owned by Facebook, have you seen um, any review of people's Instagram I haven't account? seen it yet, um, probably for a couple of reasons. You know, the insurance companies probably, maybe they're not hip enough yet to get to Instagram. <laughs> um, and people are probably laughing when they're hearing me say hip to Instagram. Um, or maybe the uh, demographic of an Instagram user is a little bit younger 
than the average age of a person applying for disability benefits. I think everyone would agree Facebook's the older person app now, and it's the younger individuals that are using Instagram and Snapchat and things like that. But most people are on Facebook or have made an account. It, to me, it's honestly more surprising when someone doesn't have Facebook than when they do. And do you, do you see social, social Security Disability using some of these investigator companies um, down the road? Social Security uh, has their own investigation unit, uh, and they do uh, pull up Facebook from time to time. Now, they're, that's used few and far uh, between. Um, it's called the CDIU Investigation, Cooperative Disability Investigation Unit, and uh, it's their own investigative arm. And we see them more following people around, interviewing people, interviewing neighbors, a little bit of, of Facebook, but it's not used on the um, large scale like we saw uh, being proposed uh, through that New York Times article. Mm -hmm. So whether it's for those applying for Social Security disability benefits or long-term disability beneficiaries, what recommend, recommendations do you have for social media use? People need to do a serious privacy checkup on all of their social media. Uh, in fact, uh, we just produced a video taking people step-by-step -step through the Facebook security um, tools to make sure that uh, all posts are limited to being shared with just friends. Uh, so today is the 10th, we're hoping to have, or today is the 9th, we're hoping to have that um, video posted this week. And so by the time this, uh, this podcast is up and running, it should be available on our Liner Legal Facebook page with step-by-step -step instructions of how to do a privacy checkup. The most important thing is individuals want to make sure, and right now I'm just talking about Facebook, that not only are their future posts limited, but also their past posts. And when you watch our video, you'll see how to limit both future and past posts. So nothing should be shared with anything um, beyond friends. That's a particular setting. You can share your pictures and your posts with friends only. I believe that the default is public. So people have to take proactive measures to go in there and make sure that their posts are limited. Otherwise, they're susceptible to anyone out there to reviewing them. Well, Andrew, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us today about this important issue. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's going to only get worse because as our lives continue to get more digital, that means we're going to be exposing more of ourselves uh, on social media. I don't see social media going away or getting curtailed in any sense. So um, instead of just trying to overturn denials based on social media, it was my decision to start preventing it from happening in the first place. So you don't have to be a client of ours to watch our videos, to get our tips. You don't even have to interact with us. Just watch our video, share it, like it so other people can see, but everyone, there's no reason to expose your information to the public. Even if you're not under a disability now, it, it, you, you may be in the future and your current actions may be used against you in the future. Thank you for listening to today's episode and thank you to Andrew for the conversation. Andrew's message is another good reminder about how we use social media and really giving more serious thought about information we post on there before hitting the send or share button on those networks. Social media is there to make the world a more connected place, 
and that potentially can have good consequences, but also there can be some bad consequences as well. It's all about context and about how we use those platforms. Did you know so often autistic teens and adults struggle with anxiety and as a result don't have success in their lives? Autism Personal Coach is a unique service in that we help our clients by working on meaningful individualized goals at their home or in the community so their anxiety is greatly reduced in those settings and as a result can become more independent and successful. To get an autism coach for a loved one or yourself to achieve your goals or dreams, it's very easy. All you have to do is email autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call 216-336-5889 and request a coach today. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about the challenges of flying for those with disabilities and what can be done to make it less stressful. Talk to you then. Yes.